a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Exciting. So, I'm also excited about what God is going to do here in Derby. Because over the last few weeks, Graham has been uh, speaking on pursuing the presence of God, receiving his presence, and hosting his presence. And that has been in response to God's call to us as a church to seek his presence more and more. There's been a real sense that God wants to do something with us uh, as a church. So in uh, response to that, this week I want to look at what should we expect in the presence of God. Now, as already been mentioned, this morning is Palm Sunday. The day we celebrate Jesus entering into Jerusalem. So what we're going to do is look at that and see what happens when Jesus is welcomed into a place. So before we do that, Laura, do you want to come and read something? Have we got a, got a mic? I've asked Laura to, uh, to read for us. My reading is not so good these days. My eyesight is failing. Getting old. I'm getting old. I can say that because you're still older than me. <laughs> okay, so we're reading from Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your kingdom comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So there we have the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey. So what happened when Jesus turned up? Well, first of all, we see they recognized him for who he was and who he still is. They waved palm branches and they lay them on the path for Jesus. And in doing that, they were recognizing Jesus as their leader, as their king. Waving a palm branch was a sign of allegiance. Secondly, we see they submitted to him. Unlike the palm branch, which was a sign of allegiance, laying of your cloak was a sign of submission. A sign of obedience to their king. And thirdly, the city was stirred. We see the people heard, they saw, and then they also asked questions. So looking at that story, what can we expect? If we're going for the presence of God in our meetings in a new way. What can we expect? 
Well, I think it'll go something like this. We will recognize him for who he is. There will be a call to lay down our lives and to submit to him. And God has been speaking to us already about that over the last few weeks in worship. There have been words about laying down things. And third, our towns and our cities will be stirred. So let's go through those individually first. We will recognize him for who he is. I believe there will be a fresh revelation of who God is. Our eyes will be opened anew to who God is and to what he has done for us. So who does God say he is? If we go to Exodus 34, it says this, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the the third and fourth generation. So our God is merciful, he is gracious, slow to anger, steadfast in love, faithful and forgiving, but he's also a just God. He is the one who will judge. And his call to us is to forgive, forgive and forgive again and to go on forgiving. I think part of what when we see God coming in greater and greater power It's a real sense that we need to forgive. We need to keep on forgiving. That will be a part of it. And I think we need to start forgiving out forgiveness. Speaking it out. People sometimes say, how do I forgive? It starts with speaking it out. You choose to forgive and then your heart will follow on. What else does Jesus say about himself? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. He is the path that we should follow. And in Hebrews 13, he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is constant, never letting go. So as we come together, I just believe we will recognize him. There will be a fresh revelation of his faithfulness, of his love of his grace. Dr. Tim Keller says this, revival occurs when those who think they already know the gospel discover they do not really or do not fully know it. And he goes on to give his marks of revival or renewal or awakening, whatever you want to call it, God coming to a group of Christians. He says this, there will be firstly recovery of the gospel Sleeping Christians will wake up. Nominal Christians will get saved and unbelievers will be challenged. There'll be a sense of repentance. There'll be anointed corporate worship. There will be church growth. And there will be extraordinary prayer. Prayer beyond the ordinary. Seeking the coming of the kingdom. So they're the kind of things we need to be expecting if we're going to seek God's kingdom. So, are you willing and ready to be challenged? Because when God comes, it's challenging. Are you ready to fully know 
fully understand and to fully live in gospel truth. There is a warning in Revelation 3. It says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So when God turns up, he knocks on the door of the hearts of those who are lukewarm. He wants to eat with you. And when you read that passage, some people have thought it meant the non-believer. But it comes straight after he talks about those who are lukewarm. And it also talks about eating. And eating was something that you did with a friend. It wasn't something that you'd do with a stranger. Eating. Coming in and eating with someone would be something with a friend. So God is talking to us this morning, saying, come on, I don't want lukewarm. Lukewarm will spit you out. We must welcome him in our meetings. We must be open to him in our meetings. As he comes and as he stirs you, as he speaks to your heart about things in your life that you need to address, you must be open and willing to take that challenge. So firstly, we're going to recognize him for who he is. Second, we need to submit to him. We need to lay down our lives. Charles Finney, the 19th century American minister, said this, Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It is giving up one's will to God in deep humility. Frank Bartleman was another American evangelist. He said this, A revival almost always begins among the laity. That's you and I. The ecclesiastical leaders... Seldom welcome reformation. History repeats itself. The present leaders are too comfortably situated as a rule to desire innovation that might require sacrifice on their part. And God's fire only falls on sacrifice. An empty altar receives no fire. We need to submit to what God is doing. We need to lay down our lives be open to what God is doing and then Andrew Bonner who was a 19th century minister in the Free Church of Scotland says revivals begin with God's own people the Holy Spirit touches their heart and you when he has thus come to you he next goes forth to the valley of dry bones if we're going to see God break out. He's going to do it with us. And that is then going to go forward to the towns and the cities where we live. It will start with us. It will start with me and God. You and God doing business. It will start with repentance. And then comes assurance. Convicted of our own sin and then fully understanding our position in him will require sacrifice the palm 
in Christian symbolism these days represents the victory of martyrs or the victory of the spirit over the flesh. It means living in who we are and not how we feel. It means living in who God has said we are, not necessarily how we feel from day to day. So who are we? Let's quickly look at who we are in Christ, shall we? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man may be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. The message puts it like this. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created anew. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Again in 2 Corinthians it says, For he has made him, that is Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So yes, when God comes in our meetings, he may challenge us, he may stir things up, but he will also remind us of who we are, what our title is, sons and heirs, priests. So thirdly and finally, Derby, Burton, Ashbourne, Belper, any other towns that we represent here will be stirred. We should expect to see a growth in numbers because the presence of God is attractive. People will see. We saw in the story, people saw what was happening. There was a crowd. And we must be open and welcoming to anyone who comes to our meeting. Anyone who comes in, let us welcome them well. People will hear. Word of mouth. We must tell people about what God has done and is doing in us. And encourage one another. Places like Life Group. Just encourage one another with stories of what God is doing. The more we talk about what God is doing, the more people will hear. And people will ask questions. and want to know what's going on. And our responsibility is to point them to the answer. Point them to Jesus. Say that is what is going on. Jesus touching earth. You're going to be attracted to something. God is an attractive proposition. Because he is a God of love. So what should we be looking for in our meetings? What should we be looking for? What is going to be the sign that God is on the move in us? It's not just how many spiritual gifts we have. Matthew 7 says this, Many will say to me on the day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons, in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's not when we know we're following God. What we're looking for is the fruit of the Spirit. And I bet you all know them, but we'll go through them anyway. Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. William Sprague said this, Let Christians remember that in a season of revival, as well as in a season of coldness, the evidence of piety is so to be sought in the fruits of the Spirit. And let sinners remember that no degree of attendance or means, no degree of fervor, can be substituted for repentance of sin and faith in the Saviour. And D.A. Carson said, When revival comes, men and women are concerned to be holy. They are serious about integrity. They embrace genuine self-denial and learn to love. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be spiritual gifts. What I am saying, just because we have spiritual gifts does not mean we have given our heart to him. John thirteen thirty five says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I expect you've heard at a wedding, 1 Corinthians 13 read out, If I have not love... I am all these things. It says, if I have not love, I'm like a clanging, clanging symbol, which re- represented pagan worship in the temples in Corinth. Without love, it will be hollow. With love, it will change a town. It will change a city. And it will change a nation. So yes, let's eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Let's not remember that first we need to put ourselves right with God. Get our hearts right. We need to love one another. Love them well. And it is through that that everyone will know that you are my disciples. I just, as I was um, preparing this, I just um, jotted down. I don't want to miss out. And I know sometimes it can be difficult in a church. You see people experiencing God in a, in a new way. And you think, oh, I don't want to miss out on that. What can I do? So I've just jotted down a few practical things that you can do. Number one, take part. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But quite a lot of people in the church these days come in, they sit. They stand through a meeting and then they go home again. If you don't want to miss out on what God is going to do, I encourage you to take part. I encourage you to belong to something. Belong to a local church. It doesn't have to be this one. But as Jesus was going into Jerusalem, they showed their allegiance to him. They put their cloaks down and said, yeah, we're for you. We're going to follow you. To be a part of a local church. Another practical thing you do, sit with someone you know will do you good. On a Sunday, do you always sit in the same place with the same people? You may know them. But if God is doing something with someone, you can see it in their heart. Go and sit next to them. Go and be caught up in what God's doing in their lives. Have you ever knelt before him in a time of worship? 
it can be a very powerful thing to do. So I'd encourage you, if you're wanting to be a part of this, God, if you feel God saying to you, will you kneel before me? Do it. It can be powerful. What else can you do so you don't miss out? Well, make life group and prayer meetings a priority. Quite often it's the prayer meeting where God really speaks to us and moves powerfully. Make them a priority. Now, I said earlier, I know people's lives are very busy. And just because you make something a priority doesn't mean you're going to be there without fail, week in, week out. But quite often we put other things in the place of the prayer meeting or life group. And I would say, if you really want to do this, then we need to be making life groups and prayer meetings a priority. If you're not part of a life group, go and speak to one of the leaders and say, can I be a part of your group? You're not saying you're going to be there every week, but you're saying, yeah, I'm going to, when I can, I'll come along and I'll support you. And I'll be in that. Finally, don't stop meeting together. When God breaks in, it's, uh, people love to get together. But then after a while, sometimes it wanes. And I guess I just want to encourage people not to stop meeting together. Let's make Sundays a priority. Let's make life group a priority. Let's make prayer meetings a priority in our life. As we seek this presence of God that he has spoken to us about. And it's not the first time I asked Graham to email me the prophecy that Phil Wilthew spoke out on Tuesday the 7th of February 2006. So this is eight years ago. Is it eight years ago? Eight, nine years ago. He brought this. I had a train ticket booked this morning from Newcastle to Derby. I had a place on the train. I had a seat booked, and its destination was Derby. And I feel God would say that he has a train whose destination is Derby, and it's a revival train. It's a train called the Outbreak of the Spirit. And God has a destination in mind for this train. And it's about to pull away from the platform, says the Lord. Now the trouble for me was that I was running late for my train. And I was half running, half walking. I was looking at my watch thinking, am I going to make it? I'm not sure I'm going to make the train. My place was booked, but am I going to get to the platform on time? There were moments, to be honest, where I thought I was going to miss it. I really am going to miss it. Should I just take an easy pace? Should I let up? Should I just take my time? Maybe try to get another train. Maybe get in my car and drive to Derby instead. But I just felt, no, I've got to run. I've got to get to that platform. I've got to get there. It was hard work. I was puffing and panting. I was feeling my sense of unfitness, wishing that I went running in the mornings. But I just thought, I've got to get there. I want to get on that train with everybody else. I arrived at the platform just as the guards were blowing the whistle. I ran into the doors, and as I ran on, the doors shut behind me, and it went off. I just feel God would say that he wants us to persevere. He wants us to endure endure, and believe his, the promises that he has spoken. Believe the promises, the words he has spoken over us. Not just for New Day, but for the nation that many of us are carrying promises in our hearts 
that we have, play, we have a place booked on this train called Revival. We have a place in our lives that is booked on this train called the outpouring of the Spirit on the United Kingdom. We sense it in our heart. The place is booked. Our seat is reserved. We are going to be there. We are going to be a part of that history-making moment in the nation where God breaks out and changes things remarkably. And I feel God would say, I want you to keep enduring. Keep running the race. Keep working hard because I tell you that the guard's whistle is about to blow. There is a sense of imminence. There's a sense of immediacy. It's like God is at the door. He is at the door. He's at the threshold even now. Even now. God says there's a train called Revival. And it's coming to Derby. We've been waiting patiently on that word. But there is a real sense around the church that God is stirring something in us. And I just want to encourage us. It may be hard. It may be tough on you personally. There may be things that God puts his finger on that you don't want him to put his finger on. It may be a call to holiness. Maybe a call to set yourself aside for certain things. Maybe a call to, to generosity. But we do want to pursue his presence, don't we? We do want to receive his presence. We do want to host his presence well. We want to submit to him. We want this city stirred. We want people to be asking questions. We no longer want to be lukewarm. We want to be on fire for him. And there's an altar. God's fire only falls on sacrifice. An empty altar receives no fire. Revivals begin with God's own people. The Holy Spirit touches their hearts anew. When he has thus come to you, he next goes forth to the valley of dry bones. It's going to start with us. It's going to start with you. It's going to start with me doing business with God. It will start with repentance, but then that great assurance of who we are in him new creations the old life gone new life virgins the righteousness of God we're going to do just that now we're going to worship we're going to ask God to come we're going to enter his throne room and we're going to lay ourselves before him this morning. Father, I just ask now, Holy Spirit, come and stir our hearts this morning. Lord, you've spoken. You spoke eight or nine years ago about revival coming to Derby. Lord, you're stirring our hearts to call on you again. So, Lord, we do that now. We call you, Holy Spirit, 
God, we say, will you come upon us? Will you bring that revival train to this city? And Lord, we understand that you will start in our hearts. Lord, you will start with us. Lord, give us the boldness and the courage to lay our lives on that altar. Lord. Lord, we say we love you. We love your presence. We thank you that you promise never to leave us nor forsake us. You promise that a bruised reed you will not break. Lord, and no matter how hard it is for us, Lord, we know you'll never take us over that edge. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come now. Lord, we're going to respond to you in worship. Lord, worship is giving you all that you're worth. You are worth so much. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. We say, have your way with us this morning. As we come before you now. Stir in us, Lord, that love for one another. It's that we're searching for. Jesus, as we remember Palm Sunday was the beginning of Easter week, Lord. We know how it ended with you with your arms stretched out on a cross. Crucified for my sin. Taking all that I should have taken upon yourself. Lord, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate act of love for this world. But Lord, I thank you we can rejoice in a risen Savior. Lord, in a risen Savior, not one who is dead and buried, but one who is alive and works in us. So we welcome you here, Jesus. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit. And we say, have your way this morning. Sunday morning.